Great America podcast. We got CJ today, Slayer over there, and as a special guest, the the great retired master sergeant of security forces, Sergeant oh. Lampkin. I've been with this guy pretty much my whole military career. South Korea, 2004. We were both in uh, Osan Air Base, Korea. We went to what Aviano next, and. You in were Germany. in you were in Osan again when I was in Kunsan in further South Korea. And then you yeah. were also in uh we were in Germany together as well. This yeah. is the man that really pushed me to uh chasing those military benefits for the educational benefits. I got my you really pushed me to get my CCAF, Community College of the Air Force degree. I um and also for following pursuing my bachelor's. So you've been a very great mentor. I'm I'm Grateful to have him on the show. We're going to be discussing police brutality and um, police corruption as well. Further background on him: We all have a uh, a law enforcement career in the Air Force. CJ, opening thoughts. Hey, what's up, uh, CJ Dayslayer? I'm getting over this uh, vacation hangover. Uh, I'm a little familiar with Lamp. I didn't know him as well as uh, Cam, but it's all good. You know, we brothers, defenders, all that. So Whoa. it's not a big deal. Um, I'm just ready to get talking. I'm kind of curious on Lance's perspective because I get to hear Cam all the time. He gets to hear me. So, <laughs> so Lamp, you're, I, I've been seeing you post a lot on the, your social media and really uh, exposing a lot of the police brutality and police corruption, particularly to the black community. Is there any... Uh, one instant that stands that stands with you a lot well to me is a it's been a psychological effect mm-hmm. I, I look at it um just just watching uh black people being killed almost like on a daily basis now it kind of takes a psychological effect so for me it's like it's, it was like it's, it got me to the point where it's like it's enough to you know at one point it's like you know we always ask the question a lot of times when these things go down, we tend to ask, well, what did the person do? Did, did What did he do or what did she do to cause them, cause the, the officer to shoot him? You know, now I'm to the point where it's like, you know, I look at these situations and I realize that we're asking the wrong questions. We looking at, we're looking at things in the wrong light. So my stance on a lot of things now is kind of like questioning everything that we've kind of, what we kind of see and, and, and understanding that we got to basically take an active stance and we got to do something better, something more than what we've been doing as of late. You know, now, what, and, do you, and that, what do you mean and, by and an active stance? And an active stance because I'm, I think we've been passive so long. You know, I, even in myself, I can say we kind of like we, we, we go along with the laws of the land, uh, abiding to the laws as black people, yes. as, pe- as minorities and as people of color. We kind of try to go, we try to basically, we try to go along, we try to fit in. But that is not working. The sit-ins, the marching, the kneeling, to me, this isn't getting the perspective or the attention uh, to, to, it doesn't get, it, it, it basically doesn't have people empathize your position, you know? And so for me, putting it in their face, not only putting it in their face, but letting black people kind of wake up and see what's going on as well you know we got to take we basically got to be responsible to ourselves 
and to our children and to our future. So we got to kind of look at things a lot different nowadays. So that's why I post a lot of these things just to kind of say, you know, I know people don't want to see it, but it's like you got to you got to kind of keep feeding it, it to them so they get tired of it. It is definitely building awareness. I'll give you that. Because, so can uh, I push back just, a little bit? Oh, go ahead, after, after you finish your thought, Cam, go ahead and finish your thought. Oh, no, I was just mentioning that um, we had a discussion before about the, the man who did like, what, 28 years because a, a lady dreamed that he raped her or something along those lines. But mm-hmm. I had no idea that was going on in America. I had no idea that was a thing. But as I mentioned, Lamp, you pushing that out there, it's, it's building awareness. But you were saying, Chris? I was saying, like, I agree with what Lamp is saying, but I think a lot of it is because you see those videos every day, I think it causes people to be paralyzed because of seeing what can happen to them at the drop of a dime. And then you got to look at the history of this country. Any rebellion is quelled with maximum force in the U.S. So that we know, we know as Black people, hey, listen, we know how leftists can go so it kind of puts us in this paralyzing position like okay we could fight back or we could just go along to get along like you was mentioning like you're tired of which i agree i'm totally tired of trust me i am so So there's got to be a happy medium where we can legislation peacefully uh peacefully and lawfully you know make some change and i have some ideas and i I do want to bounce some questions off of you Okay. I think this is a peaceful way that we could get more leverage in, in the law enforcement community. So we already know that they have the, you know, the body cameras and stuff like that. And already I've seen some technical tactical flaws to that. Like a cop could be, he could cover it, the camera deliberately or inadvertently, and you wouldn't really see what's going on. So pretty much what I propose is that we have a third party injected into the law enforcement community. They'd be a group of volunteers and all their job would be is to ride along with the cops and get footage, film the whole thing, stop searches, seizures, and arrests, and film it from a perspective that's unblocked and unbiased because another cop could, um, another cop could easily, and I, I don't want to point the finger at, at anyone, but there, there's room for corruption when it's, it's only one party. And addition to that, I would like this uh, this third party to read the rights to the suspects because I think it's a bit of a conflict of interest if the cops apply force, like they whoop your ass, and then it's like, hey, by the way, you have the right to remain silent and a lawyer and everything along those lines. And sometimes they don't even they don't even do it, and they say they did. And there's cases of that. But what do you think of that, about that? Do you think that would uh, mitigate, if not uh, substantially lower? police brutality if they knew they're they're being every incident was being filmed uh lamb you could take it i'll let you respond first to me i don't think so i think that would be having a third party to Mm -hmm. me you put you're you're basically in you already got the cameras so what more i mean you didn't have the body cameras you didn't have the vehicle cameras so now you're 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 asking for somebody else to stand by you're putting somebody else's life in a, in, in a situation or that could potentially uh, obstruct the, the officer from doing his job. One, that you don't want that to happen. You know, as a police officer, you don't want another person there that you got to basically protect. That's you know, their own risk. They should have body armor and they they know what they, they should know the risk of the job when they're getting into it. 
Yeah, but and, you, um, you're still, to me, to me, we as a community have to police our own community. And I'm not saying like neighborhood watch. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you basically looking out the window and you recalling the uh, uh, you reporting a crime. I'm talking about like how the Panthers did. You basically we take over the streets again and we kind of basically we kind of own our own neighborhoods. It's different. Rather than calling in calling for somebody to come respond and help. Yeah, sometimes you you're going to need somebody armed. But I'm saying if we kind of actively community police our own communities i think then we kind of we're not looking for somebody else to come in and solve our problems and that's why i think we as black people or african americans have to basically take an active stand in our own communities not wait for law enforcement I to come i like the concept but i, I want to ask you to from where would the authority come for that yeah. law enforcement that law enforcement well, that's in the black community. Like say you, you a scenario, you have someone trying to, an officer in that community trying to de-escalate a situation, but the person he's like, like, fuck you. Like, who are you? Why should I de-escalate uh, and respect your authority? Well, let's, let's say like this. You had uh, in New York, they had mm-hmm. the, uh, they had the group called the Guardian Angels, okay. right? For a long time, those guys, rode on the subways, they kind of basically squashed things, you know, before the police arrived. You know, it, these kind of things I think need to come back. But not only that, you, you got to realize this too. I think cops need to go back to neighborhoods, yes. neighborhood policing, as opposed to, you know, you call them in, res- in response to, to a situation, not just, uh, uh, not just ticket, but actually fighting crime, doing actual crimes as to pose as opposed to um you know check uh, stop and frisk so, you know that kind of thing i think if we get back if, if you put cops back to uh doing real crime i think that kind of helps things out too as well you know it, it, it's been a lot of things legislated you got to understand that things have been put into place and have been legislated for certain agendas you know so when you look at it, a lot of that needs to be corrected all the way from the top, all the way down. And when I say, um, you know, and what I'm talking about is, is you had the three strike law, right? You had the war on drugs. You had all these different things to basically kind of, it was an agenda, you know, being pushed by politicians. So you, we have to understand that, hey, this was this what was done. It needs to be corrected. And, and, and now you understand at one point, you know, it was illegal to sell weed. Now you got the states where they're sanctioning where you can now sell weed. You know what I'm saying? So let's make it right. Let's make it right. Come back and say, hey, you know, you got all these people locked up on three strikes on nonviolent crimes and different things like that. You, they All that has to be looked at and it has to be corrected. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, hey. It's, it's a double standard here. It's it's a setup here. And that's where we got to voice our opinion or voice, let our voices be heard to say, hey, look, we, this, this is what was done. You all need to go back and correct this. And we can't stand by and say, okay, well, that was then and we let it slide. You got two million black people locked up today on stuff that is not even, a, that, that is, you know, minor offense crimes, nonviolent crimes. Uh-huh. So 
that needs to, that needs to be addressed. That really needs to be addressed. Absolutely. So, and um, the whole criminal justice reform, we're definitely going to tackle that on another episode. But for now, we really want to talk about what can well, what can law enforcement do to how do you say stop all of these uh, shootings and brutality, and also what can legislation do to make uh, you know to hold law enforcement accountable. Um, my thoughts on that: I agree with Lamp on community taking a more active role. I like your concept of a third party but my concern Lamp mentioned was tactical even though they're volunteering or whatever mm-hmm. only adrenaline junkies are more likely going to do that kind of work yeah, then you got to worry about them gaining an alliance or coercion from the cops that they are working with because the cops are going to be smart enough to know well let me get these people on my side well, so that's why I would really like, like the I would really like it to be volunteers for one, and the neighborhoods and the neighborhoods from uh, where this is occurring, so we could avoid that. Because here's the thing: you have mm-hmm. cops trying to buy off dirty cops trying to buy off the the, the black community. Like I, I'm not too sure. Maybe it's, it's possible, but mm-hmm. I am, really haven't gone down that path for a, or that scenario. Gotcha. However, like the the body cameras mm-hmm. currently in production right now, there's so many uh, margins of errors that mm-hmm. you could you could really uh, that's that's an issue, and I don't think that's sufficient. So, I mean, again, I'm sticking to I really like my approach, and I'm gonna fine tune it and see how we can make it better. But I'm mm-hmm. I'm curious to see what other um, we already mentioned the community policing. Mm-hmm. And what other pr- approaches, like, could we use as far as what more use of force training? I'm, uh, I'm not sure. Well, now that you said use of force, I yeah. mean that's that that was, that kind of goes in hand with one of your other questions, you know, that you had asked. But mm-hmm. again, you start holding cops liable financially and criminally mm. for basically taking things into their own hand. Right, because we had a you had you had a use of force edge line, right? So yes. that means if somebody comes with a knife, you come you use the next higher level, right? We had mm-hmm. to have intent, opportunity, and capability. Yes. If those three wasn't present, you couldn't take no you couldn't use deadly force unless you felt your life was threatened or somebody else's life was threatened. That mm-hmm. training has to be a must. It has to basically be the same way you hold the airman, the marine, the soldier. Uh, 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 accountable for yes. engaging their target or their enemy, right? When they violate rules the rules of engagement, of engagement yeah. they have to basically pay the price. Why not? You telling me because this guy's a police officer, he don't have he don't have to basically he doesn't follow the same rules. Yes, you're talking <laughs> about war and you're talking about peacetime, but at the same time, you're making a split second decision, right? Yeah. You're uh, making uh, reasonable a objectiveness. There you go. Is that this how is a split the Supreme Court uh, defined it as reasonable objectiveness? Well, or we keep giving it, give too much. There's too much leeway. If the cop takes the law in his own hands, he has to be accountable, just like any other citizen. If he commits murder, then hey, you got to go back and you got to look at it. 
How was he trained? What training did he receive? You know, what are the, what were what procedures was he basically uh, what were procedures were he operating under in order for him to initiate deadly force? Not automatically. Oh, I, I thought the guy, you know, he was running away from me. I felt my life in danger, so I shot him in the back. No, you got to justify that. And if yeah, you can't justify that, right. no, no, you need to basically be held liable. Yeah. Period. So I got to ask a question. Um, should there be a federal, and perhaps maybe there is, and I just don't know, should there be a federal guideline just like, you know, we have MOAC? Should there be a federal guideline of uh, cops in each county and and state and, and use of force? Just something so it's standardized, streamlined from state to state. I so thought everyone like knows across the board. Is there such a thing? Bill of Rights, right? Basically, that's the standard for everybody. The Bill of Rights does it govern the use of use of uh, does it govern the use yeah, of deadly it, force? Yeah, it's not, it's not gonna cover the use of force. So you kind of saying is there a standardized okay. model for that? Okay, yeah, no, about no standardized. I don't think there's a standardized model because when they go back and they, they have these, they the the prosecutors look whether or not like they have to have that. They go and they have a grand jury, mm-hmm. right? And they look at the case. They look at the evidence of the case. And then the prosecution basically decides, well, do we have enough to basically indict this cop on, you know, on his on misconduct or an illegal shooting or, uh, you know, what have you. But they also understand that law enforcement works directly with prosecution. Right. So they don't want to they don't want to basically come at a, a police officer. So you understand the conflict there. There's a conflict there. So you at me as a prosecutor. I'm you. I'm I'm used to working with police officers, basically to apprehend, to put people, incarcerate people. So here I am. I don't want to basically turn around and flip that script on that cop when normally the cops and I work hand in hand. You know what I'm saying? So that's a conflict of interest. It's kind of like the conflict, yeah, because you you really don't me. uh, uh, You got all the way down from the mayor all the way down. This is this is somebody that basically you, you you as a cop you you are basically you know you work for the city or you work for that state you know so you represent that state that judicial system within mm-hmm. state all right so now the prosecution also they work hand in hand you know so you kind of like they don't want a black eye half of the time so you I mean you understand how it works I do but I'm just curious like then how does it work in the military and it doesn't work in the civilian sector? Because here's the thing, it's like cops in the military, they get apprehended and jacked up like just as any other career field. So how can we in active duty military make that concept work so smoothly and it can't work in the civilian sector? Does it always work in the military though? Nah, politics. Mm. I would say money yeah. on the outside. It's money. It comes down to money on the outside. Okay. It's a lot different. And you do have a point. Maybe it doesn't always work in the military, but it happens more than. I mean, uh, just think about it. it. Depends on it. It it, it also it also depends on high high profile. How high the profile of the situation is? Because let's say you had a fratricide, right? Mm-hmm. 
in the military. Fire for uh, all you know, civilians. They, they, they ain't gonna tell you the true story. They gonna, mm. they gonna write some heroic story and tell you that the guy died with valor and is covered up until it's exposed. Same thing goes on. It's no different. Mm. But for the most <laughs> part, big. like I said, on, on a normal day-to-day basis, and Airman goes out there, he, he does something, he's gonna basically be held to those rules of engagement or to that, uh, uh, what is that, that force, that use of force uh, echelon. Geneva well, conventions and all that, UCMJ, all that stuff. Yeah. I've seen yeah. more, but, uh, more as, cops as in my cop. military career lose their career and their career than I have in the civilian sector. And there's, there's That's true. Too. I agree with that. Like, but, come on, we can, we can attest to that. Yeah, true. big time. Big, I've definitely seen it. My whole career, my short career. Yeah. In my eight year, in my eight year career. And, you know, um, I, I did want to bring up some stats of uh, how many shootings. I believe it's over 900 shootings that occur every year, you know, by police officers in America. And, well, we've seen that not all of them seem to be justified. But before what I was saying about that standardized use of force model, you were saying before about officers shooting people when they're running away or something along those lines. We all know common use of force model that that's unacceptable because yeah. we have that standardized use of force. Every every combatant knows, you know, like anyone who holds a gun knows that situation is unacceptable. I think we need to have a standardized model across uh, across America for all law enforcement. There should be annual, if not biannual testing, but training. They, they're not going to do stuff. that across America. And let me tell you why, why they're not going to because the because the government is not going to control the state. You gotta yeah. understand and it. Then perhaps it Remember should be a soft suggestion. Me tell you can about. Say again. I was just saying <laughs> the government, each state is allowed to govern itself. So you gotta understand mm, that, that yeah, you're the, right. the United States isn't gonna pass something, not no use of force model across the state. You know, they're not gonna say, okay, this is what you, this is how you guys need to operate. They're not gonna break it down like that. They, you, know, you already have so much infighting with the state, you know, with the government have taken over control of certain functions within the state. That's one definite, that's another battle, you know, that they, they're not gonna give up so on. Then you let know me ask saying? you this, can we just regulate the use of force from the federal level? Like the use, I'm sorry, the use of deadly force? Everything else, ta- if you wanna use tasers over here, you wanna use chemical irritants over here, cool. But can we have a standardized model for the use of deadly force? Because that's they, ain't the... even, they haven't even they haven't even come to a conclusion to say, okay, well this should justify deadly force. Just think about it. When you mm-hmm. got a guy running away, right? You got a guy running away. You got a guy that's unarmed. They can't even come to the conclusion, seeing it on video, that the guy doesn't have a weapon to say enough. Deadly force wasn't warranted. They always, the first thing they come to say, well, well, maybe he shouldn't have ran or maybe he should have complied with the officer. They still, they're still having a, 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 a reasonable doubt or they, they're putting in, a, a, they're objecting to maybe the guy did something to make this officer feel like his life was in danger when it's clearly not the case. It's clearly not the case because, first of all, how can you get shot if you ain't being aggressive towards the officer? His life ain't being threatened. You're running away or you're doing something. You know what I'm saying? You're you're down on the ground and you're handcuffed and you get shot in the head. Come on. 
how, how can you how can you say you pose a threat at that point? You know, <laughs> how, how how can the officers say you know? I mean, how can you how can you still have a reasonable doubt at that point? You know what I'm saying? How can how can a prosecutor looking at that video? We we looking at it with our eyes. So what are we going? We gonna, we sitting here going to tell our mind that oh well the officer fell for his life and the guy was handcuffed and he's laying face down and you got five officers holding him down and the sixth officer comes and shoots him in the back of the head and 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 we can justify that he can basically put on it be put on administrative leave and then turn around and and uh, be hired again or go back to working normal or you pull up just as soon as you pull up. At the scene, you got a, a nine-year-old kid who's playing with a toy gun like most American kids do, play uh, uh, cowboys and Indians, and you don't even shout no command, just come up shooting. Come on, mm. think about it, you know? So should there be a, uh, a I don't know, a, a, a higher court just for to handle police so, shootings, police handle? Like, I, I'm just throwing ideas out there because I don't know how to legislate this beyond uh, the idea that I propose. I'm, I'm just trying to get some ideas from, from you guys. Like, how could we, we, we legislate this and, and, and seize the currencies? Would it be? I, I, I tell you, to me, to me, how you basically get them to, is two ways how you get them to stop doing the what money, they're doing. Right? Now I'm gonna tell you how you get this. Is how you get them to, to really think about what they're doing. Okay. Two, one. First of all, you start basically instead of going after the city when you sue them, you sue the police department, you sue the city. You know, you win from the city a million dollars, the family wins, and they have to keep quiet. Yeah. Sue the cop. Sue the cop. Make the cop liable for for. Okay. Okay. If you train the cop. And you, you know what I'm saying? If the cop is negligent, criminally charge him and, and also basically financially find him liable. If he's egregious to the law, then you basically have to basically take him to court just like any ordinary citizen, make him face a trial, criminal trial, and also a civil trial where you go after his money. And but then more or less you're saying like, that. Think about it. That the the individual would That's not it. have the legal counsel that the the county police has. Like I imagine the cops have like teams of lawyers to deal with uh, these things. But Most that individual, that individual would not have that the same assets that the county has. So yeah, that's that's an interesting. No, but I'm saying, approach. what I'm saying is this: a lot of times when when even when the cop is wrong and they understand that the cop is wrong, the family winds up suing the city. They sue the city or they sue the police department, and they get they got money, you know, they got money that they basically allot for this kind of thing, and so they sue the police department or the city, and the city pays that money out. You know what I'm saying? The cop is never really touched, but if you start touching that cop's funds. It kind of make it'll make people think. The other thing is this: we need more men, black men, in the age of eighteen to twenty-five to go get a, a permit. Mm. That'll stop the bullshit. Sorry if I can't use profanity on your show, but oh, that no, will stop. Means, I already dropped the f bomb. <laughs> oh, okay. That, that will put an end to all the, you know, yeah, you are, you fear I already got a gun? Let me go get one legally. Let me go get one legally 
where you can basically realize that, hey, look, you know, like, the, you, I mean, you go to Texas, guys open carry, they got it on their hip. You, I mean, just think about it. I've, I've seen videos where I've seen a guy, uh, a white guy walk down the highway with an M, M4, no problem, mm -hmm. right? You got the same M4 on a black man, he gets pulled, he stopped, he's asked, you know, what is he doing, what's going on? Why, why, why the difference? Why is your uh, uh, amendment to rights protected and mine's not? Racial profile. That's how I set up. Racial profile. <laughs> I wasn't surprised, right? I'm curious where the fear is coming from, like where one scenario is acceptable and, and one is, you know, suspected or something. That's a whole nother podcast, man. You already know. That's right, man. <laughs> so, so what other questions you got? Ah, man, you know, we totally deviated from the agenda, but let's dive into it 35 minutes later. No, nah, it's all good. Oh, uh, yeah, no worries. Um, let me... Question number one. So... Um, go ahead. You got yours on deck? Yeah, I know I asked, should officers that are involved in one or more shootings be reassigned to an administrative position? I, I throw this out at y'all. You know, this question. I, I agree with that. At least until you go through um, some sort of after-briefing. I don't want to say counseling, but discussing you know what you what you've gone and gauging the, the officer's feelings and, and and you know their their state of mind during the shooting and how they handled it yeah i think an admin position is uh that's, that's cool what do you think uh, you asking me yeah yeah i would I, I mean i i agree with you there but i also understand that each situation has to be judged on its own merit you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? You can't, you can't basically, uh, you can't basically just have a stand. Okay, uh, he was, and I understand what you're saying. The psychological uh, evaluation of the officer is, is, is he able to go back out there and do the job? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they, very, I don't think very they well, rush through that. I think that should be something right. that takes, like you know, if more than a week to gauge that opinion. Yeah. It can't just be just, one just to see, see if everything is okay. He's cool with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 you know, but to me, also evaluate each case on a uh, on its own merit. Absolutely. Meaning, if there's if 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 there's something faulty or, or whether it was it justifiable, those kind of things have to come into play as well. Also, the training. You know, uh, you know, I think anytime you have a shooting, you need to basically look at the officer's training. You need mm -hmm. to look at the overall unit's training right uh look at the evidence that's presented look at the video look at the report to see if basically the report's been tainted all that has mm. to basically be subject to review if you ask my question if you ask my opinion okay now you're talking about procedures that can take well over a month i mean you you just basically a thorough you thoroughly look at everything because mm -hmm. you got to realize a shooting we can't just treat a shooting like it's something normal you taking somebody's uh, life absolutely so you basically need to evaluate that you got like you said you evaluating them psychologically but you also want to make sure that hey are we operating in in in, in the in the right realm meaning uh, you know as as our is our procedures intact and right or you know was it a justifiable shoot if it, it did the guy 
respond the way he was supposed to respond or he didn't respond the way he was supposed to respond did he does it does the unit as a whole need more training what's you know basically look at that how was the report written because you know as a cop i'm tell you like this you know as well as i know you, you we all get down and sit down and, and we make sure we all have the same story let's let's get it right you know, yeah. you know that's how it goes <laughs> I don't know what happened to those night vision goggles. I don't know how they got ran over. We got to get our story straight before the for the other for the you know for the supers look at it, and I am and, and and that's part of you know when we when we there we we covering each other's back, but and they they kind of live by the same creed. But I'm mm -hmm. saying when you're talking about actually you took somebody's life, mm -hmm. you know was it justifiable and all those kind of things. All, everything needs to be looked at from top to bottom and oh, everything scrutinized put, totally the, guy back put, so put the guy in the back in the meantime there. you're saying he should be in some sort of admin position yeah yeah, yeah too, you know the same way if if you you if we did it you would they would basically take our weapon DNA, you know, do not arm evaluate it you know, make sure that hey, you you still thinking straight. You know, because you took somebody's life. You can't just oh, uh, just another day on the job. You know, you can't look at it like uh, it's just another day on the job. It's not. You know, it it, it is a traumatic event. So you got to basically evaluate it as such. Did the person do it in the in the in the right? Were they in the right doing what they did? You know, those kind of things. Were they trained properly? You know, not individual made a mistake and we all cover it up and, and you know he's a good guy that kind of thing you know that's why i say you got to evaluate it from from top to bottom procedure wise report wise training wise the the unit everything if we got stuff on video hey what what could have been done better we always do that right mm, and when we, when we do the song we always, yeah after action report what could have been done better you know so it, it, i think it all needs to be evaluated and we can't just make a skate. We can't basically make it just a lot of times we give an excuse. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times we justify this. And and this, I'm gonna tell you, the news media does the same thing because they go back, you know, the victim's been dead, you know, but the victim uh, smoked marijuana or, or the victim had it. It had nothing to do with what, what went on with the situation or with the case. The same way, this officer, you know, they don't go check the officer's background. So that's what I'm saying. You, we we kind of look at the wrong thing to kind of justify what the officer did, and, and that and that and especially when it comes to people of color. And that to me, I see and I don't like. I got another question. You, well. you want me to ask the other one? Um, the other one was we were kind of touching on this lamp is um, if officers are found to be involved with an unjustified shooting, what should their punishment be? Cause you still gotta go through the legal system, but you're a cop, you're held to a higher standard. So, hey, mm. I, 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 I cover this again. You know, I mean, uh, police officers have to make split second decisions. We all understand that. You know, it's, it's a life or death. But at the same time, if you're trained, right, you always go back to that training. And this is the thing: is this too? before you pull that weapon you can't just pull a weapon just to pull a weapon and that's what i think that's the difference between you 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 talk about when we had when we did it as military we didn't just pull a weapon just to pull a weapon you know what i'm saying but a lot of times i see officers pull a weapon first so yeah. 
you know what I'm saying? You we always kept our fingers off the trigger until you basically that point where you like, hey, I gotta take this person's life over my life. I'm protecting my life or I'm protecting somebody else's life. Back to intent, opportunity, capability. You can't tell what a purpose a person's intentions are. Do they have the capability to cause you bodily harm or somebody else? Do they have a weapon, a knife, a gun, right? You got to evaluate that, right? The capability, are they within the proximity of taking somebody's life? Are they in the proximity of committing a crime? If they're not, then all these things have to be evaluated by that officer. That's what they get paid for. So the guy running away, the guy running away from the officer, who, who who is he threatening? Unless he committed a murder or unless he shot somebody previously and he's running away, then I can understand. But hey, you pulled him over for having a taillight out. That does not that does not make him automatically somebody that you need to shoot. I can't I can't I can't understand that. I can't wrap my head around that. You know what I'm saying? You pulled him over for a taillight being out. No warrants and warrants, right? You pulled him over for, for not having a seatbelt on. So now, son, you approach the car, right? Yeah, the guy, you, the guy might seem nervous, or he might, you know, whatever. You, but your original stop was that you pulled him over for not having a taillight. So then you go ask him for his license, unless he presents a threat towards you, mm-hmm. you know. Then there's no you, there's no need for uh, 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 um, deadly force, and those evaluations have to be made. They have to, the same way you make the evaluation to pull your weapon, you basically got to be held accountable for those actions is all I'm saying. And that's what needs to be, that's what needs to be happening in, in today's society. And it's not. So let me ask you this. You, um, what you were mentioning before is along the lines of a question I wanted to ask you. So if someone's pulled over, what advice, because you are a formal law enforcement what advice right. would you give to someone who's being pulled over and stopped by a police officer? Well, first of all, you know, uh, you want to cooperate. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Don't get out the car. You know, I, I watched the guy get out the car. Don't get uh, absolutely don't get out yeah, of the car. Bad you know, idea. Already, cops are on edge. You know, and that's and, and these was two black officers that shot a couple that was in the car singing that I looked at the other day. And I mean, I, it's just. It's sad to see this type of stuff go on, you know. Um, but first of all, the guy's pulling you over. You already, I mean, as, as much as people are seeing this stuff on a daily basis, you got to try to cooperate. You don't know if that cop is on edge or not. So you kind of want to cooperate. You kind of don't want to basically, you don't want to escalate things. Same way so with a cop. Would you pull your license out before they get to the car or would you wait for them to... Uh to ask for the ID because I, I try to get mine out before and I have it and I have my hands uh, on the wheel like listen you can see both uh, of my hands me, my wallet's right there me. so uh, it's not like keep, I'm, I'm digging in uh, and then they're like he's reaching yeah, for a gun exactly. got him yeah. like I, I want to have you, my stuff out wanna, and, and order yeah. before it's, it's uh, I'm, I'm curious what what approach would you take or what me uh, basically you don't make any moves until the officer comes up and basically he says something to you because you don't know why he pulled you over, mm. right? So it wouldn't make sense to basically start pulling out your stuff, 
You know, even if you know, you, hey, I was speeding, he pulled me over. You mm-hmm. don't just basically take it upon yourself to go in the glove box and get the stuff because that might seem threatening to him. You know what I'm saying? So depending right. on what neighborhood you're in, he might be on edge already. So I, I'm not trying to basically uh, 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 put him at, in, in, a, in a position to think that I'm trying to do something to harm him. So one, I'm not making any moves. Same way, if I'm like you said, if I'm carrying concealed, or I, you know, hey, I'm not gonna basically, I'm not even gonna tell him that I'm carrying concealed. I'm, what I would do is, he asked me if I have any weapons without even telling him, because I saw the guy get shot, basically by saying that you know he has, uh, you know, he has a concealed permit, and then the cop said, gun, 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 you know, and he just automatically shot him. He he, he sent him into another realm. But I would say the officer comes up. He said he, he tells you why he pulled you over. You got a license, registration. All right, sir, I'm, I'm getting my license in my wallet. Can I reach and get my license? You kind of want to comply, you know, and, and give him every, th- every uh, indication that you're complying with what he's asking you to do. Okay. You know what I'm saying? The whole point is to get, get out of the situation and get home safe. The more you're compliant, the, the less, you know, maybe, you know, the, the less likely that you might lose your life. You know what I'm saying? So Absolutely in this day right. and age, I, I would basically say comply, you know, uh, to, to your best. I, I don't know. I've been pulled over a few times and and I guess maybe I don't know. I just I, now looking back at it, I, I never looked at it that it, I could lose my life in that situation. Because one, I was a cop. So I kind of like a lot of times when they came up, I spoke to them in a professional manner. Sometimes I didn't uh, I didn't appreciate uh, the fact that they was pulling me over. And I know I gave a couple of them like, yo, man, what you pulling me over for? You know, like that. But now thinking back to it, I'm kind of like now in this day and age, you kind of like you don't want to be confrontational with the cop. Yeah, so, they and, have and a I license know, to kill. I do not. Uh, yeah, yeah. you, you kind of don't really want to be confrontational with them. And if they're rude or whatever, it's better to to basically pick, take that up at another time and place. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Get out of that situation. You know, hey, you're gonna give me a ticket for speeding, or you give me a ticket for whatever. They're gonna give it to you if they want to give it to you anyway. Absolutely so the best right. is you're not gonna comply. win it by trying to argue with them. So exactly, I, and, then, and then take it up at another time. I wanted to throw in, like, kind of piggyback on what you were saying, because I've had some run-ins with being pulled over too, and I'm a, and I, I have a concealed weapons license, and um, I've done it a couple of different ways. As far as like what Cam mentioned, like, as soon as I know I'm getting pulled over, I'm putting all that stuff on the dash. I'm already taking it out, so we, I don't have to even dig for it when he you. asks for it. What so, are you talking about, Joe? What? What you putting on the dash? Oh, that's paperwork. Registration, all that stuff, already on the dash. So oh, when okay. they ask for it, it's right there. I'm saying, sir, it's right on my dash right here. You can see it. I'm reaching for it. My hands are already up above the wheel where they can see both hands, and I already have it. Now, with the concealed, I've done it both ways. I usually either present it with my paperwork, so they already know, or I go based off the... Uh, the mindset of the officer if they've been polite professional whatever i kind of feel them out too because just like you are we are in law enforcement so we know how to interact with uh, law enforcement no sudden moves only answer when you're spoken to um 
I have all my windows down. I have the interior lights on when they come up. All that yeah. shit is available so they can see everything. Um, right. Car and park, all that stuff. Even maybe even turn the engine off. It just all depends. But um, and then if say you also mentioned they have an attitude, then you would get. Don't most police officers carry a business card? You can get their card from maybe ask during the interaction. Hey, do you have a card for reference purposes or whatever? Um, I've even seen other people just when they get pulled over, they start recording their whole interaction. Either have somebody on the phone, call dispatch, maybe if they're really nervous, they have a public record of it. This is all kind of extreme stuff for probably the average civilian to probably follow. In my personal opinion. But I mean, the way the trends are going, particularly for African-Americans, like uh, these are some tips and tricks that, that could save save lives. And I'm going to take that into consideration or at least calling somebody, you know, uh, upon knock on wood. I got wood. Floors. But yeah, in the unlikely event I get pulled over, it's something I may want to apply. But yeah, for the most part, for me, hands on the wheel you can keep, make sure you can see my hands no sudden movements yes sir emphasize on the sir it kind of hints on that you know we have that military background that that connection and uh for the most part it's, uh, it's diffused lamp i have a question are you a civilian cop too no okay no. i was just kind of wondering i was just wondering i know a few people from osan actually that or germany i was stationed with they're civilian cops so I haven't talked to them. I'm kind of curious what their mindset now is being military and civilian cops, what their mindset mm -hmm. is due to all this stuff going on. Who do you think has more training? The, uh, the military security forces or, um, you know, or civilian cops? Like, because you mentioned before about, Lamp, you mentioned before as, as far as how cops should, should act in a situation. And we're talking about split second decisions that need to be made that regard life or death. And the more training that an officer has, the more better prepared they are to, to deal with those. So who do you think's better trained? I, cops you know, I say the, I would say not the military. I would say civilian cops are probably, uh, let me, I, I, as far as training goes, I would say they interact with more. They have yeah. more of an interaction. You know, okay. Granted, some more experience. Yeah, yeah, cause, nah, because you know why I'm gonna say our our community is controlled. So a mm -hmm. lot of times you're dealing with somebody that's already in the military. Everybody that has something to lose. Mm -hmm. So it's very rarely do you come across that nut. Other than you know you go overseas, you you might be in a war zone or something along that lines. But most of the our environment is a controlled environment. So versus their environment is an uncontrolled environment. They're dealing with everybody. You know, everybody ah, that's yeah, you're right, you know, you're right. It's totally different. That's funny. You know, so their interaction, you know, I mean, and and I'm not, I, I don't. To me, I've been on both sides. When I say I've been on both sides, I've been a cop in the Air Force, just like you guys. I feel like that's 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 a cop. I, I have an aspect of their job. You know, you can't mm -hmm. be you you. This is the job that you chose. You basically have to be trained for it. You have to be prepared prepared for it. You know, and this is what you volunteered to do. Same like military. We volunteer. So when you go to different places, you got to expect that, hey, you, that you're basically putting yourself in harm's way. This is the job you accepted. You know, mm -hmm. this is the job you chose to do. 
So certain things comes with that. Certain risk comes with that. You can't be a punk, you know, when it comes <laughs> to right. oh, <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, hey, if you you can't, you supposed to be able to take an ass whooping, point mm -hmm. blank, you know, you supposed to be able to fight. You supposed to, you know, that's part of the job. You supposed yeah. to be able to, if you had to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with somebody, you got to be able to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. Bottom line, you can't basically, hey, this dude was bigger than me. And the first thing, he ain't got no damn gun, but you got the gun, so you got to shoot him 20 times to lay him down. I'm sorry. You know, it, you, you could, not not when you got people that have, with these mass shoes that have shot up 60-something people and, and they can walk out in handcuffs but you got somebody who ain't even killed nobody and, and they getting riddled with bullets it's just comparing comparing that scenario to uh you know to a traffic stop that's um you made a very valid point now lamp did you have any questions for us oh uh, i think i sent you that one question what, what question i forgot well uh, i, I, I I wrote it on. I put it on my phone. I ain't actually write it down. I forgot what I had, uh, I had said to you. Was it diversifying the police joint department? Yeah, and that, yeah, that was my question. I think um, they they the the, um, the units need to be more diversified for the area that they're actually working in. Okay. You can't have. You can't be in a community. And to me, this is this really would kind of alleviate some of the, some of the uh, mistrust. It would kind of alleviate maybe some of the problems, right? You know, granted, you know, you're talking about you can't have you can't have a neighborhood that's 95% minority, and mm -hmm. yet you got only 10% of the brothers on the force. You know, like that, especially when you're working in in that environment. And not to say that they can't do their job, but you know the trust level is just not there. The, you know, uh, and and that and that to me, when you was talking about earlier, uh, what can we do as a third party? That's it right there, dude. Yeah. In, in, okay. Inject, inject people that are from that community. That's absolutely you know? where, that, where I was going with that. I want them to be from that community and to build relationships with the you know with the cop with the police force. And um, we got, I don't know, we got to brainstorm a way on how to, you know, build better relations. And that's what, uh, so we came I up got, with. I got some, I got a list of things. Um, I would say uh, meet with small business owners of the neighborhood, not just the ones you're familiar with culturally. I think that's, okay. so say for instance, his example, 90, 90% neighborhood is black, 10% um, I guess you said like 10% this black working that beat or whatever or that patrol right. then it's mainly white males or white females or whatever patrolling that area right so I would say for them get to know the small business areas in that black neighborhood as well as other groups that just happen to be in that neighborhood because you know most black neighborhoods got Chinese restaurant liquor store mm -hmm. maybe or a gas station owned by maybe Middle Eastern, Indian, you know, hair care, beauty supply owned by some Asians. Like get to know those businesses, but also get to know the black business. And I think that's where uh, police might drop the ball in most towns and cities. So that's one. Um, I would say cops need to learn about mental illness and signs of spotting that when they go out and respond to calls or when they talk to people uh, 
uh, walking patrols and bike patrols, say on a Sunday afternoon after church, go around those neighborhoods and walk around, talk to people. Hey, how you doing? We're just doing a walking patrol. We're trying to get to know you guys. Hey, my name is relationships, building rapport. I like that. Exactly. Um, cultural events where you actually exchange with the office. Hey, my name is Betty. I grew up here. I got two kids that go to this school. What about you? I see mm -hmm. you live here. Da, 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 da. And humanize both sides. I think what happens is both sides are not humanizing each other as well. And that's where it's leading to all these issues. Um, I think the other thing is, let's see, I, I kind of typed all this down. Um, I don't know if they still offer discounts for policemen to live in certain neighborhoods that say they're patrolling. Mm. Do they offer that still or do they still do that? No. Especially if they come from a different background. So say Brittany from Malibu, she's over here in Pine Hills, Florida, which is where I live in Atlanta. That's considered like a high crime area. Offer her a discount to live over there. Also, you would um, do something like that. What's up? Special huh? guest. Oh, go ahead. Oh, you're not that, huh? Yeah, we learned. Oh, we'll go ahead <laughs> um, I'm trying to think what else. That's that's pretty much what I came up with. Where I feel like they're dropping the ball. Very good concepts, and uh, I think having that police, that live-in police presence, would be. Uh, that would have a positive effect on communities because it would be the officer's community that he or she would be policing. It's pretty cool. Uh, anything? That's that's what all I came up with. Was there any other questions or overall? Nah, that's what, it. I what think, do y'all uh, think? He answered a lot of yeah. mine just during the natural conversation. But oh yeah, you mentioned about the mental illnesses. Yeah, and, that's uh, a big one that goes. I, I totally, I totally agree with you on that. Even further, there was uh, when I was living in Brooklyn. I guess there's a, a lady. She had some sort of diabetic stroke or something, and she was driving, but she was smashing cars and driving into people. And their approach was uh, they shot her. Mm. And I was like, wow, like this is a. Uh... And then I can't imagine I was not the officer, so I don't. I'm only using that 2020 hindsight, but. I can't imagine the approach that was uh, what was going through that officer's mind that led him to use deadly force, but that's uh, becoming a growing trend and we got to find a way that we can mitigate that if not, you know, unjustified uses of deadly force. So I'm going to let you go catch your, prepare for your flight and I appreciate it. No problem, brother. All right, man. All right, let's see y'all, man. Likewise, man.